so glad to be called a child of God this morning, aren't you? Aren't you? We are sons and daughters of the King.
many of you are excited that we have a God who fights our battles, amen? That no matter what we are facing, he's already gone ahead of us. In fact, he's surrounded us everywhere that we go. Whatever 2020 was for you, whether it was good, whether it was bad, whether it was ugly, whether it was, oh, I'm so glad it's gone. God has already gone before us in 2021. This needs to be a year where we lift our eyes up. We need to believe. We need to get our eyes off of ourselves, our eyes off of the ground, our eyes off of the surrounding around us, and our eyes on the Lord. Because He is our God. And He has already won the victory. So whatever victory that you need, or maybe there's a victory for a, a family member or, or, or a spouse or, or an employment or a job, whatever it may be. I want you to lift that need right up to the Lord. And let's believe that victory is coming. God, you see your people today. Lord, we thank you for 2020. But that's now the past. And we look to 2021. And we want to start off right. God, we want to start with our eyes lifted to you. God, we don't win the battle. You win the battle. But God, we play a role. We need to believe. We need to take our eyes off of ourselves and off of the, the obstacles and the things that we see. And we need to look to you. So God, whether the victory needs to happen in a marriage, God, we pray for breakthrough. God, whether victory needs to happen for employment or finances, God, we pray that you would bring an abundance as only you can. God, whether it's for a prodigal to return home, Lord, we believe, Lord, and we call for, home, for children to come home. We call for those who have walked away from the Lord to come home to you, to come home and find the Father with his arms waiting and his arms open wide. Lord, we look into our own community God, we believe that the victory has already happened. God, we believe for more salvations than we have ever seen in our lifetime, God, this year for the bridge. We believe, Lord, for a breakthrough, God, in this nation. God, we believe that people would turn to you in masses, God. Lord, that they would look to you as, your, as the Savior because you are our source. You are our strength. Lord, we love you and we thank you that you are so faithful, that you have already fought the battle on the cross, and that you won it by coming back to life from the grave. And God, we declare victory in you. So church, let's just take a moment and let's declare victory in Jesus' name, amen? We thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us here at the bridge today, whether you're in the room or whether you're online, we just want to say thank you so much. We counted a, a privilege to have our day spent with you. So we want to just remind you of a couple of things. We do have our family room available at any point today. If uh, you might be more comfortable over there with your children, please feel free to do that. But before we uh, sit down, why don't you take a moment? Why don't you wave and say hello and say happy new year to somebody. Good to see you this morning. Hope everybody's well. 
Hope everybody rang in the new year. Okay, did everybody make sure that you rang in the new year good? Did you make sure to see the old one out? Nice. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. But my name is Zach. I'm one of the pastors here at the bridge. And we just want to take a moment and welcome you today and say thank you so much for being in church. We're really, really glad that you're here today. If you're new, this is your first time at the bridge. I promise that hardly ever happens, but it sometimes happens. And um, we're just grateful that we get to spend the first Sunday of 2021 with you. So thank you so much for being here. All the regulars here at the bridge, would you just join me this morning? Let's put our hands together and welcome all of our guests that are joining us today for the first time. Awesome. It's so good to be in church with you today, and I know that God's got good things in store. He's going to be speaking good things to us today. I am excited because I get to share on the very first Sunday of the new year with you. And Pastor Gary and Pastor Ann are actually in Arizona today because they're with Pastor Ann's father who's recovering from some of the health challenges that he's had over the last few months. So they are there this weekend helping him out and they'll be back next weekend and Pastor Gary's going to be bringing the word next Sunday morning. So if you're a first time visitor or guest with us today, you'll want to be sure to hear Pastor Gary share next week and it's going to be awesome. But today I want to bring you a message called, What Do You Want? Everybody say, what do you want? What do you want? If you got your Bible, meet me in Jeremiah chapter 18 this morning. Jeremiah 18. You know, the book of Jeremiah is one that we refer to on certain occasions, but the context within that book is so incredibly important in order for us to understand it. And just to lay a foundation and a framework for where I want to go today, I want to take a moment and I want to rewind back to an older passage in the Old Testament that I think will help us to understand what I believe God has put in my heart today. You know, back at the beginning of the book of Exodus, we see the story of a leader named Moses being raised up. And he's going to be a deliverer that God is going to send to Egypt to tell the Pharaoh to let his people go. And most of us, we know this story, we know it well, where Moses goes and he stands before the Pharaoh. And the the Israelites, they had been in captivity for many, many years. And what started as a blessing in Egypt at the time that Joseph was in power, second in command in Egypt, has now turned into bondage for the Israelites. And so we see generations of Israelites that were once blessed in the land of Egypt now being slaves in bondage in the land of Egypt. And Moses the deliverer is sent to tell Pharaoh to let the people go. So what ends up happening, you know the story well. Moses tells them to go. Pharaoh stands in rebellion against God. His heart is hardened toward God. There are ten plagues. Finally, the Pharaoh says, okay, you can let, these people can now go. Moses leads the people out. He leads them straight to the Red Sea. He gets to the Red Sea. God parts the waters. But Pharaoh had changed his mind. He's chasing after the Israelites. So the Israelites walk across the Red Sea on dry ground, but soon the waters come down, taking out Pharaoh and all of his armies. We know the story well, but what's interesting about the story is that the Israelites did not go straight from Egypt to the promised land. There was this 40-year period in between Egypt and the promised land where God wanted to shape them and mold them and form them and fashion them into his people. He wanted to teach them of his ways so that they could walk in his ways and be the people that he had called them to be. And so during this 40-year period, one of the best ways to look at it, it's that wilderness period between Egypt and In the promised land, God did not just want to take the Israelites out of Egypt. He wanted to take the Egypt out of the Israelites. And in order for for them to step into everything that God had for them, he didn't want to just take them out of the land of bondage. He wanted to remove the bondage from their hearts so that they could be his people and learn his ways. And the reason why I share that with you this morning is very, very specific. It's because I think that the last few days as I've watched people ring in the new year, Here in 2021, here at the outset of the year, this is the first Sunday of the year, 
It feels like this year, the way that people celebrated a new year was different than the way we've celebrated it in years gone by. Would anybody agree? Now, I know that you probably didn't go to a party. You probably didn't have a party. You probably weren't with a big crowd of people. You might not even have stayed up till midnight. I made a joke last Sunday morning. Pastor Corey spoke, and he did an awesome job last Sunday if you were here. But at the end of Pastor Corey's message, I was up here with Pastor Corey, and I, I just gave this observation. I've seen many, many people over the last few days leading up to New Year's Eve who were kind of joking on social media saying, I'm going to stay up. I might not be having a party, but I'm going to stay up till midnight on New Year's Eve, not to see the new year come in, but to make sure that the old year went out. And I get it. I understand. We all understand. Why? Because the last year, let's just be honest, last year's been tough. It was tough. 2020 was a strange year, to say the least. For many of us, the worst thing that we could say about 2020 was that it was a strange year or an unusual year. For others of us, when we look back at 2020, the thing that we're going to say is that it was worse than strange, worse than unusual. Maybe for you, 2020 was defined by loss. Maybe for you, 2020 was defined by uncertainty or sickness or isolation or loneliness. Those might have been some of the words that described your 2020. And it's so interesting because as we got to this year on New Year's Eve, I looked out and just kind of, whether it's on media, social media, TV, whatever it might be, listening to the things that people were saying, it seemed as though this year I heard less people talking about the things they're hoping to do this year, the dreams they have, the plans they're making, maybe even resolutions. That's kind of a cliche thing that don't really care to talk about in church at the beginning of the year. But it seemed like this year people were talking less about their goals and their plans and their dreams. Why? Because it seemed like something happened last year that would make us think less of the year that's in front of us. Like maybe we won't be able to. Maybe we can't. We won't be able to achieve. We won't be able to dream. We won't be able to plan. Because what happened last year seems to be overshadowing what's in front of me this year. And if it's true that God had to take the children of Israel through the wilderness in order to get the Egypt out of them... I think it's entirely possible that even though the flipping and the changing of the calendar might have taken us out of 2020, maybe God needs to take the 2020 out of us. Because if you're starting this year with lower expectations, with no dreams, with no plans, with no goals, even no resolutions because of what last year looked like, maybe God wants us to lift up our eyes and stop asking the question, what do I want this year to be? And instead ask the question, God, what do you want to do with me this year? That's the question I find myself asking over these last few days. And I believe that no matter what circumstances might be surrounding us, God can still do a great work inside of us and lead us into everything that he has for our lives this year. Does anybody agree with that today in the house of God? Amen. So let's look right now at Jeremiah chapter 18. Many of you will know this passage of scripture pretty well. In fact, the first couple of passages of scripture I want to refer to today, Pastor Gary preached from these two passages of scripture together a couple of years ago, and it stuck with me, and I really felt like it came full circle. In fact, um, a couple of weeks ago when I knew that I was going to be sharing today, I was just praying, okay, God, as we get to a new year, the first Sunday of the year, what do you want me to share? And I woke up really early one morning, and it was really strange because it was about 5, 5.30 in the morning. And as soon as my eyes opened and I realized that I was awake, the very first thought that entered my head were the thoughts that are shared here from Jeremiah chapter 18. 
And I just really felt like God was putting this on my heart to share today. And I want to share a few things with you today that I believe God wants to do in us, a work that he wants to do inside of us to lead us into the year that he has in front of us. Now, Jeremiah was a prophet of God in the Old Testament. Prophets in the Old Testament, they primarily did two things. They brought about direction and correction. God will say, this is the road I want you to be on. If you get off course, he would use those prophets to bring correction so that they could get back on course and find God's favor and God's blessing for their lives and for their nation. And so right here, there's a very specific illustration that is given from God to Jeremiah that I want to share with you today. Many of you will know this and be familiar with it. But I really feel like God wants to talk to us from this passage today, okay? So let's read, first of all, starting in verse 1 of Jeremiah 18. It says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, verse 2, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. So get up. What we see right here is that God is immediately speaking to Jeremiah. Now, this is funny because I'm assuming right here that the context is Jeremiah laying in his own bed in the morning in his own house. Let's just assume that for a moment. And so God starts talking to him the way he would always talk to his prophets. And God starts sharing something with him. Now, I don't know about you. When I feel like God is talking to me, I just want to sit there and take it all in. But he says to Jeremiah, arise and go to the potter's house because there's something that I want to show you. There are times in our lives that God will take us places or allow us to walk through things that will give us an experience that will teach us a lesson that only that experience could have. Now, let me just say this right here at the outset of the message, just if anybody's getting curious. Somebody's looking back at the year behind them and saying, so are you saying that God sent that year upon us? I don't believe that. I don't believe that 2020 was a year of God's judgment upon the world. I believe we live in a lost, dying, broken world that is prone to, to, to decay. That's what I believe. And when it comes to what's happened in the year behind us, I know there are a lot of people that might believe that 2020 was the judgment of God that was thrown down upon the world. I don't see it that way. But I do believe that God will use the circumstances of the world in which we live to teach us things that only that experience can teach us. And so he looks at Jeremiah and he says, I want you to get up and I want you to go to the potter's house because there's something I need you to see so that I can teach you something you haven't yet learned. What if there were things that we experienced and saw in 2020 that were lessons and experiences that we had to see in order to learn the lesson? What if we walked through a challenging, difficult, turbulent season so that God could teach us some things that we would need to know for the days that are in front of us. Let's read on at everything else here that we see in Jeremiah 18. Look at verse 3. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, the potter, making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look at the clay is in the potter's hand. So are you in my hand, O house of Israel. I want to read verse 4 to you one more time. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. That word marred has just stood out to me over the last few days as I've read through this passage of scripture. 
And the biggest reason why is because when I look back at the year that was, there were a lot of plans that I had. There were a lot of plans that you had. And it was like someone just jumped down into the middle of your life and pushed pause on your life and my life. And suddenly the plans that I had were out the window. Suddenly the plans that you had were out the window. And the thing that I wanted to make of my year was marred. Anybody feel that way at the end of last year? Like this thing that I was trying to create did not come out the way I intended it to come out. And right here, God takes Jeremiah and he says, I want you to go to the potter's house because the potter is always making pottery. So you have to imagine he's got his clay, his lump of clay that he's sitting there on the potter's wheel. And that thing begins to spin. And as it spins, the potter is shaping it and he's molding it and he's forming it and he's fashioning it into exactly what he wants it to be. There's just one problem. The clay seems to not be doing what he wants. And pretty soon this idea, this picture that he had in his head of of what he was going to create, it isn't coming to pass because the clay is just really difficult to work with. And so Jeremiah observes that the clay is now marred and the thing that the potter was trying to make is nearly destroyed. And so the first thought was, we should just discard this. Let's just throw the clay away because clearly we can't make of it what we want. Let's find some other clay. Let's do something else. Let's start all over. But instead, the potter takes the clay He puts it back on the wheel and he takes it and scripture says he begins to form it and fashion it into something else as the potter sees fit. I think it's so interesting how a lot of us, our mentality, the way that we want to look at the days that are behind us is to kind of just throw them out, leave them behind and say, I don't ever want to go back. In other words, remove the circumstance, take it away, take away the bad days. I only want to think about the good days. But what the potter does is he doesn't take out the marred clay and throw it away. He takes it and he forms it and he fashions it into something else. Is it possible that what we have just experienced in the months that are behind us, these last 10 months, is it possible that rather than discarding them and throwing them out, that God wants to use them to form them, to shape them, to mold them, to fashion them, or more specifically us, into what is good to him? Because I had an idea of what I wanted 2020 to look like, and you had an idea of what you wanted 2020 to look like. But then all these other circumstances got involved, and suddenly the whole plan was marred. And so often our first instinct is to throw out, to throw away, to discard, and let's start over. And I think that the mentality a lot of us have as we walked into this new year is let's just forget that last year ever even happened. And I get that, and I understand that. But what if God wants to use what happened last year to make us into better people this year? Somebody got it up there. What if God wants to take what happened last year and make us into better people this year, his people? Because our tendency when things don't go our way is to say, well, this isn't what I wanted. This isn't what I planned for. This isn't what I hoped for. And since this isn't what I wanted, I throw it out, I throw it away, I discard it. And God says, no, 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 no. Let me take it and let me make it. And let me form it and let me fashion it into what I want it to be. And I think that one of the things that we all have to understand is that even if 2020 felt like a failure, even if it felt like our plans were marred and we want to discard it and throw it away and start over with a clean slate and a fresh start, what if God wants to take it and say, I have something different in mind. And if you allow your life to be the clay, I'll be the potter and I'll take your life in spite of your circumstances In spite of what's going on around you, I'll form it, and I'll fashion it, and I'll make it not into what you wanted it to be, but something so much better, what I wanted it to be. 
See, a lot of us, when we've experienced disappointment, when the plans that we had for the year behind us were marred, we say, well, that didn't go the way I wanted. And so, therefore, we get to the beginning of this year, and we're unsure if we can make our own plans for the future. Maybe the question we should be asking right now, this time of year, the first Sunday of the new year is not, what do I want the year in front of me to look like? Maybe the question we should be asking is, God, what do you want to do in me in the year ahead? Because I think if we'll get that revelation that he's the potter and we're the clay, we can leave some things behind and allow God to make us into something so much better. Now, I have three points I want to give you this morning because there's three passages that I want to look at. But before I give you this first point, I just want to say this out loud because I was so hesitant to use this phrase as my first point. Now, let me just tell you, I'm a church kid. I'm a pastor's kid. I grew up in church. I've heard every Christian phrase, cheesy slogan, cliche thing you can possibly imagine. There are things that I've heard throughout my whole life that I do not even know what they mean. I've just heard them said in church over and over and over again. But this is the first point that I want to give you because for some reason this just kept resonating in my heart. Are you ready for this? Anybody taking notes? All right, here's point number one. Ready? Can't believe I'm going to say it. Some of us this year, we need to learn to let go and let God. My whole life I've heard that phrase and I have no idea what it means. It's just something Christians say. But see, the potter saw the clay and he knew that what he wanted to do with it the first time around wasn't working. So he said, I'm going to make something better out of it. And every time I've ever heard that phrase when I say I didn't know what it means, I'm supposed to let go of what and I'm supposed to let God do what? Well, here's a few thoughts for you. I need to let go of past failures and let God lead me into new opportunities. I need to let go of past disappointments and let God show me new favor. I need to let go of last year's struggles and let God lead me into this year's victories. I need to let go of old hurts and let God bring me into new healing. And I need to let go of yesterday's lingering questions and let God speak new solutions. Some of us, what we want to do with last year is throw it aside and never think of it again. But what if God wants to take that broken thing and make it into something better? If we will choose to be the clay, make ourselves available just to sit down on the wheel with God, God will take that thing that we wanted to throw out and say, why don't you let me take that? And why don't you let me make that into something so much better? Don't throw it away. Let me use it to form it, to fashion it into something so much better than you could have ever made of it. Maybe the thing that we need to do at the beginning of this year is let go of yesterday and let God take it and make it into something better. It's not about what I want, but God, what do you want to do in and through me in the year ahead? Can somebody say amen to that this morning? All right. Now, it's almost impossible to talk from Jeremiah chapter 18 without looking at Psalm 37. So if you've got your Bible or your phone, if you don't have it, we'll have it up on the screen for you. But Psalm chapter 37 gives us one of the most famous verses that the psalmist ever had. Maybe some of you, this is like a life verse or something that you put up on the mirror, you put it in your car, you put it on the refrigerator so that you can see it all the time. Psalm chapter 37. I want to read to you the most obvious verse, which is verse 4. It says this, verse 4 of Psalm 37. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. 
of your heart. Now listen, when most of us hear that verse of scripture without fully understanding what it means, we tend to think that delighting ourselves in the Lord is being really happy with God in my prayer closet. I have this real happy, joyful relationship with God. And listen, God wants to give us joy, and he also wants to have an intimate relationship with you, okay? But there's, there's a process to delighting ourselves in the Lord. There's a learned process. There's a process that we walk through. Because if you look in the original writings there in the original Hebrew, that word delight simply means to be pliable. It means to be pliable. Or more specifically, to be pliable in the hands of the Lord. And automatically you get that picture of the potter in the clay. Be pliable in the hands of the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. Now delight and be pliable. How can those two things go together? Because the first picture that I see is this picture of Plato, right? Like we grew up playing with it. Our kids probably still play with it. We hate cleaning it up after they've played with it. When they mix the colors together and they get it in the cracks of the table and on the floor and you got to vacuum it up and pretty soon there's not as much Play-Doh left because your kids have kind of put it into little balls and crumbs here and there and everywhere else and you find it dried up and play. Anyway, my story. But when you take Play-Doh out of the can and you open that lid, the Play-Doh itself is formed to the shape of the inside of the can that it came in. And see, a lot of us, the more time that goes by in our life, our lives start to be formed to the shape of the world that we live in. And so what the psalmist is trying to tell us is that if we will be pliable in the hands of the Lord, he'll begin to shape our lives, shape our heart, shape the way that we think, and pretty soon he gives us our desires. His desires become our desires. Why? Because he's changing us. He's forming us. He's fashioning us, molding us, and shaping us into his image. But here's what's so interesting about it is when you take the Play-Doh out of the can, it doesn't just begin to change shape into what you want it to be. You have to put some pressure on it. And so you know what that Play-Doh looks like when you take it out of the can. You know the shape that it's taken, right? But then you think about the thing that you want to create and you recognize that you're never going to be able to make it into what you want it to be unless you put some pressure on it and you begin to smooth out those edges. You begin to change it and roll it and move it. And the more that you do it, the more it takes shape, the more it becomes what you wanted it to be. But here's the thing, that's Play-Doh, right? We're talking about our lives. How many people here like to get a massage? <laughs> you said amen, that's awesome. <laughs> I've never had a professional real massage before. My wife tells me all the time, she's like, you're missing out. You don't even know what you're missing. <laughs> you guys are all like, you have no idea, man. She says, you don't even know what you're missing. But listen, I've never had a professional massage before. I'll never forget, though, I have a friend who told, who told me once, he said, you know, I've gotten some massages before. He said, but this one time I made an appointment to get a deep tissue massage. He said, I was excited because, man, my back and my neck were just bothering me. He said, and I got there, and the first 10 minutes, I regretted that I ever came. And I said, why? He says, because it was torture. And I said, what do you mean? And he says, man, I came in sore, and I think I left more sore than I came. He said, but what was crazy was a day went by, two days went by, and there was just this pressure release that had happened in my body because they got in there and they worked out all that tension that had built up in my back and in my shoulders and my neck and all throughout my body. And I thought about that for a moment because here's the thing. A lot of us, when we talk about being pliable in the hands of the Lord, 
When we talk about being clay in the hands of the potter, we like the idea of God forming and shaping his image and his character in our life, but we certainly don't like to feel the pressure that is on us sometimes when he is doing it. And I'm not saying that God wants to inflict pain upon your life, but can I just be really honest with you? Sometimes God will walk us through seasons where we feel the pressure all around us, and God is using that pressure to form us and mold us and shape us into who he wants us to be. And we have to be willing to submit to the process. I'm not saying you have to sit there and take pain for Jesus, but sometimes some of the seasons we might walk through will be difficult. And I don't want to all ignore the fact that for many people, 2020 wasn't just difficult. You lost loved ones, friends, family members. You found yourself lonely and isolated. And that's a real thing. But what if God wants to take the pressure of those moments and he wants to use that to create something in your life that is so much greater than you imagine right now? Be pliable in the hands of the Lord. Now what's interesting is that specific verse all to itself, verse 4, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. We all love the idea of God giving us the things that we want. But sometimes it ain't so fun when we got to endure the pressure. And the second point, second thought that I want to give you this morning, again, if you're taking notes, is simply this. Number two, let God work out the pressure points in your life. When you go in to get a massage, if you've paid the money, so if you've paid the money, you go in to get that massage, they're like, look, you can't cancel now. We reserve this appointment. You've already paid the money. You're like, well, looks like I'm going to have to endure however this feels because I've already paid for it up front. And sometimes we might just start to feel the pain and feel the stress and feel that pressure that mounts right there when little things are getting worked out in our life. But sometimes our first instinct is to jump away and say, no, 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 no. But if we will give God access so the pressure points in our life, he'll take the things that are bringing us pain. He'll take the things that are causing us internal conflict and hurt. He'll take those things and make them into something with our lives that we could not have made ourselves. You say, well, what are the pressure points? What's so cool about this is that Psalm chapter 37 is a psalm of David. And David wasn't just a man who wrote the, songs while, the psalms while sitting on a king's throne. In fact, he wrote many of the Psalms while he was being chased by the previous king or the current king of Israel. Saul, who was his father-in-law, who was the father of his best friend, who had a whole army out to get him and out to kill him, who was spreading rumors, who was telling lies about him, destroying his character. And all the while, David is the anointed man of God to be the next king of Israel. He knows God has a good plan for my life, but right now the thing that God's put in my heart is not the thing that I see with my eyes. And David's running from the king who's out to get him, who's out to kill him, who wants to take him out. And what's so cool about Psalm chapter 37 is that when David says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart, he says that right in the middle of all of these other pressure points that are closing in around him. I want to read this to you, just the first few verses of Psalm 37 real quick. This is what, it, what David said in Psalm 37. Verse 1, do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass, and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. 
He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Watch this, verse 7. I love this part. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Rest and wait. Rest and wait. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. And the reason I want to read that whole passage to you is because when David wrote those words, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart, that was a word of encouragement for us so that we can see God making us and forming us and shaping us into his image. But all surrounding that verse, he gives us examples of all the things that are being done to him. In other words, David isn't talking about allowing God to work in his life only when there are no circumstances. He says God will use these circumstances to make me into the man he wants me to be. And this is really important because I think, this is my conviction as a pastor, but I think even among Christians, one of the things that we are doing as we've watched 2020 go and 2021 has come is we are waiting for God to make the circumstances of life go away so that we can be happy again. I'm going to be really honest with you. The circumstances that have plagued us in 2020, I hope they're gone soon. But guess what? They ain't going to be the last circumstances that you ever face. And so if your prayer to God is, God, take away my circumstances, I think God's sitting there and saying, saying, huh? I want to use those circumstances to make you into who I have called you to be. A lot of us, what we do is we say, God, change my circumstances. And God says, no, I want to change you. What if everything that happened last year, as quick as we want to discard it, God says, I want to hold on to it for a minute so I can use it to make you into who you were destined to be. I'm not saying God wants you to live with pain, with loneliness, with loss all the days of your life. I'm not saying that God wants to bring punishment into your life. What I'm simply saying is this. God can take that which was evil and use it for good in your life to his glory, and we can discover purpose in the process. So again, rather than praying for God to change our circumstances, let's pray for God to change us. I'll say it one more time. There were things that happened in 2020. They weren't what I wanted. They weren't what you wanted. But let's not let those things overshadow the year that's in front of us. Instead, let's say, God, it's not about what I want. God, what do you want to do in me this year? That's my prayer. That's my hope. So I'll give you that point one more time. Number two, let God work out the pressure points in your life. Give God access to those things. The circumstances that are weighing you down, don't just try to discard them as if they're meaningless. Look to God and say, God, use these things. Take these things. Work them out. Bring about the release of the tension that I need, the relief that I need, and make me into who you want me to be. Amen? And finally, and then finally, I want to take you to one final passage of Scripture, a third passage of Scripture. Meet me in Isaiah chapter 40. I think I found myself in this passage of Scripture a couple of other times this year in Sunday messages here at the bridge. Because I think one of the things that we can all agree on is that the season that we've been over the last 10 months has been a season of waiting. It's been a season of waiting. I don't like to wait. How many of you love it when you make a doctor's appointment at 1030, you show up at 1025, and the doctor sees you at 1115? How many of you are like, I just counted all joy? No, nobody likes to wait. 
I don't like to wait. You don't like to wait. Sometimes I do enjoy the waiting room at the dentist's office because I just don't like being in the dentist's chair. But that's just putting off the inevitable. <laughs> you know, at the end of Psalm 37, the psalmist says, rest and wait, rest and wait, rest and wait. Wait on who? Wait upon the Lord. I feel like I've referred to this passage of Scripture a couple times over the last few months, but for whatever reason, it just kept bubbling up in me over these last few days. I want to read to you from Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 28. This is what it says. Have you not known and have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? He neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Verse 29, he gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord, this verse that we know so well, verse 31, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now, many of you, you know this passage really, really well. We've talked about this a few times this year, and the thought that I always find myself coming back to is waiting is never fun. And it seems like every time I have to wait, it seems like every time I look down and I just feel like the pause button has been pushed on my life, I lose strength. I become weary. I get tired. I get impatient. And waiting is something that can only bring about fatigue, right? But those who wait on the Lord will what? They'll renew They'll renew their strength? That doesn't make sense. The fact that I can be waiting on God in faith, and in the, all the while, in the meantime, he can be giving me new strength. He can be refreshing my strength. He can be giving me greater strength than as if I was waiting on someone else. And that brings me to the third point. If you're taking notes, this is the third thought I want to give you today. Stop waiting on man and start waiting on God. Or, if you want to write it down this way, you can write it like this. Who are you waiting on right now? Who are you waiting on right now? We've been in a season of waiting over the last 10 months. It's affected all of our lives. And sadly for many of us, we haven't just put our lives on hold, but many of us, as Christians, we've put our faith on hold. Because we're waiting for someone to bring about answers. We're waiting for someone to hit the play button again so that we can keep going. We're waiting on someone to bring about solutions. I'll say it again. We haven't just put some of us, we haven't just put our lives on hold. We've even put our faith on hold. We've put our expectations on hold. We've even put hope on hold. So what or who are you waiting on? Many of us were waiting on a politician to solve our problems right now. Many of us were waiting on a vaccination to tell us it's okay to live our lives. Many of us are waiting on stay-at-home orders to be lifted so that we can live our lives. Many of us are waiting on the governor to tell us it's okay to be hopeful and optimistic again. Many of us are waiting on Dr. Fauci to tell us it's safe to live our lives. Many of us are waiting and waiting and waiting 
in the midst of our waiting and waiting and waiting, we're becoming more and more and more weary and weary and weary. I want to say this to you, Christians. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Our God does not grow weary. His wisdom, in a year that was defined by uncertainty and unanswered questions, his wisdom is unsearchable. We in this life as human beings, we can't even get our heads around the wisdom of God, the answers that he has, even in the midst of all of our questions. And for a lot of us, we find ourselves in this place of weariness where we're growing tired. And we just want to give up hope and we want to discard the past and make the circumstances go away so that someone can please give us a solution. And I think if we find ourselves in that place of weariness, the charge or the challenge today would be simply this. Maybe we're waiting on the wrong person to save us. Because those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. You want to find new strength? Stop waiting on man to bring about the answers and look to God for the answers that he already has. I know that right now we haven't seen all of the circumstances change in our land, change in our nation, change in our state. I understand that. And I'm not going to be waiting on anybody else to tell me when it's okay to be hopeful again. It's time for us to lift up our eyes, lift up our faith, and recognize that our God is not weary. His wisdom is unsearchable, and if we seek him, we will find him, even in the midst of times of uncertainty. In closing today, you know, I look ahead at the year that's in front of me, and I remember a few years ago, my wife and I, when we met our pastor, he used to issue a challenge at the beginning of every new year. He would say, what are you naming your year this year? There were a couple of years where I felt like, man, it's going to take some audacity to name my year what I want to name it this year. Because I don't know if that's what God wants this year. Sometimes I would have a year that was just defined by difficulty or circumstance or obstacles or challenges. And if the year before didn't turn out the way that I had planned or the, year, or the way that I had hoped, I would always be hesitant to name my year the next year what I wanted it to be. I've gotten to this place in my life where I recognize that God wants me to continually be hopeful for his best for my life. And I don't know what your outlook is for this year, but can I just encourage you today, don't let what happened last year taint your view of the year that is to come. Because God is bigger, God is better, God is greater, and the plans that he has for your life are still good. They're still good. Hold on to hope. If God is for us, who could be against us? There is no circumstance that exists outside of me that should disturb the peace that lives on the inside of me. Have you not known? Have you not heard? God never grows weary. Those questions that you don't have answers to for this year, guess what? His wisdom, it's unsearchable. You can't even begin to fathom the wisdom of God. You have questions? He has answers. You have uncertainty? He has solutions. You have fear? God's not worried. God says, stick close to me, walk this thing out with me, and you'll see that I can take what happened in the past and use it for an even greater future. Does anybody believe that this morning? I just want to ask in closing if you'd stand to your feet this morning. We still have a few more minutes left in our service, but I just want to pray for every single person that's here today, every single person that's watching online.
feel like the word from the Lord this morning is simply this. Don't grow weary in well-doing. There's a lot of us, we've been persevering for the last 10 months, thinking, hey, when's my season due? When's my, when's my day going to come? When am I going to reap all the things that I've sown? Don't grow weary in well-doing. For in due season, you will reap if you do not lose heart. Maybe this morning you're here and you feel like you're not all that optimistic about the year that's in front of you. Maybe you've lost heart based upon the things that have happened over the past 10 months or the last year. Your circumstances might be different than my circumstances, but a lot of us, we've shared in a lot of the same things over the last year. This morning, as the people of God, as the church of Jesus Christ, it's our responsibility to be hopeful and optimistic that God has good plans for our lives. So I just want to pray right now, as a body of believers, that we would just come together in faith. Instead of discarding what's happened in the past, let's ask God to take that which has happened and use it for his glory to mold us, to shape us, and to make us into everything that he has for our lives. If you're comfortable, just lift your hands right there. Let's just ask God to speak to us today. Let's just ask God to be with us, to lead us, to guide us. Father, we thank you so much that we are here. We thank you, God, that you are here with us. In spite of what we've been through, in spite of what's happened to us, in spite of what might be happening around us, in spite of our uncertainty, in spite of our fears, in spite of our worries, the one thing that we can hold to is that he who began a good work in us is faithful to complete it. So Father, we take everything that's happened over the last few months and we put it in your hands. We ask that you would take these things that we so easily want to discard and that you would use them to make us into the people that you've called us to be. God, today we don't just ask that you would change our circumstances. We ask that you would change us, mold us, shape us. We recognize that you're a good father. God, we choose to be clay in the potter's hands, knowing that your plan for our lives is so much better than ours. We look to you, God, because we know that you're faithful. God, for people that are here today that need comfort because of loss, I pray that you would be with them, that you would be the friend who sticks closer than a brother. For the one who might be here today, the many that might be here today experiencing lack and contraction over the last few months, that you would expand them, that you would show them the bigger picture and show them the things that you want to do in their lives the year ahead. For the relationships and the marriages that have suffered difficulty this year because of the tension of everything that's around us, I just pray in Jesus' name that you would mend hearts, that you would heal wounds, that you would bring healing and reconciliation into people's marriages and relationships today in Jesus' name. For parents and kids who might be hurting and the relationships have been strained, I pray that you would intervene, that you would get in the middle, you would speak to the parent, speak to the child, and that you would bring about reconciliation and that you would heal the wounds that exist in those hearts. God, we know that you're the only one who can take our mess and turn it into your masterpiece. So today we put all of this in your hands. We lay it at your feet. We ask that you would do what only you could do. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, just for one more quick moment, maybe you're here today, and as we've been talking about God doing a work in our lives, molding us, shaping us, making us into his image, maybe you say, Zach, I don't even know God. I don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you did it one time in your life, but today if you're honest with yourself, you know you're not walking in relationship with God right now. I want to tell you that God loved you so much that while you and I were lost in our sins, separated from God, 
he sent his very best, Jesus, to this earth in exchange for our very worst, our sin. In the midst of our sinfulness, Jesus, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, came to this earth, died a death that he did not deserve on the cross so that you and I could be redeemed for our sin. And that sacrifice bridged the gap between us and God so that we could have a relationship with him again. But he didn't stop there because three days later, after Christ died, he was raised back to life gloriously, conquering death and hell and the grave for you and I so that we would not have to face it. And all we would have to do is put our faith and our trust and our hope in him, claim Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, and walk as a disciple, a follower of Christ all the days of our life. And we could have everything that Jesus died to give us. If that's you today and you want to make a decision to follow Christ for the first time, or maybe even rededicate your life, I'd love to pray a simple prayer with you here in just a moment. We're all going to pray it out loud. We're not going to put anybody on the spot. It's something we're going to do as a community. But I just want to encourage you to pray this and mean it with everything inside of you. It's not just about the words. It's about the commitment of your heart to making Jesus the Lord of your life. If you're ready to do that today, we're going to pray a prayer right now together. Would you say these words out loud right after me? Say, Jesus, I thank you for coming to this earth and dying for me. I believe you are the Son of God. And today, I claim you as my Lord and my Savior. I want to walk with you. I want to follow you all the days of my life and into eternity. Thank you for receiving me into your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, can we just put our hands together and welcome some people into God's family this morning? Go ahead and be seated right there where you're at. Pastor Corey's coming right now, and we have a couple of other things. He's going to give you details on what to do next if you made that decision to follow Jesus. So thank you so much. This is really important, so I want to ask everybody, just hang tight till the end of service so that we can honor those who made decisions to follow Jesus. Hey, can we say thank you to Pastor Zach for that awesome message? First one of 20... 21. Hey, if you did just make that decision, first off, that is the best decision you could ever make with your life, whether you're in the building or watching online. We want to give you a gift called The Next Seven Days. If you're here in person, there's a couple ways that you could get it. One, we're going to have some prayer teams on either side of the auditorium right after service. Just go up to those prayer teams, say, uh, I want the booklet. The next seven days, I made that decision. They're there to pray for you if you need prayer. If you're in a big hurry, you're in a rush, before you get to the exit doors of the foyer, uh, right there in the middle of the glass doors, there is a table, and you'll see next seven days on the TV above it. Just go to them, say, hey, I want the booklet. They'll give it to you. If you're watching online, there's a link right there, whatever browser you're watching in. Uh, click that link. You can let us know right there. If you can't find the link, if you get lost, if all else fails, just go to any one of our social media platforms, direct message us the words next seven, and we will handle the rest. One more time, can we welcome people into God's family? Amen. Um. You know, for a lot of us, uh, we've been looking towards what stimulus will look like and what's on the way and all of this. But was God faithful to anybody else in 2020? I know it was tough, but I can just stand and say God was still faithful. And, and for me, for my wife, for our family, the only logical response is continuing to be faithful to God. And so this is the time in our service. We get to worship God, be faithful in our giving. There's a handful of ways that we can do that. You'll see your options on the screen. 
In a few moments after we dismiss, uh, there are giving stations on either side of the exit doors before you leave the auditorium. There's one more over by the kids' check-in to the right, uh, whatever works best for you. But um, can I just say, at the, the onset of 2021, looking over our shoulders at 2020, can I just say, as your youth pastor, thank you for your faithfulness in giving. Thank you that all the way through 2020, Community care did not close down once. In, in fact, we expanded. We met more needs than ever before. And, and on top of that, so, so many of our missions efforts, all of this, man, you guys are a greater light in our community and our world than you can even know or imagine. So thank you for your faithfulness in giving. It is seriously such a privilege um, to give and to be faithful to God in that way. I just want to say today, uh, start of 2021, there is a lot of really cool things happening here at the bridge. A lot of stuff is coming up. So before we leave, before we take off, before we go anywhere, we want to check out Church News together so you can be updated on everything that's going on. So let's watch Church News together. Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. Thanks so much for joining us today at the bridge. We're excited to get to spend the first Sunday of 2021 with you and your family. We're believing that this new year is going to be full of bigger and better things that God has for our lives and for our church. So make your plans to be with us in the weeks ahead. Here's a look at what's coming up at the bridge. Hey, 2021 is upon us, and we're getting ready to launch a new season of Bridge Men. But we're going to launch a little differently this year. We're going to have our very first meeting on a Saturday morning at 8.30 in the morning. That's on January 16th. So mark your calendar, set aside time. All of you guys, it's going to be a great time of just talking about the issues of the day and how we as godly men approach those issues. So set aside time. We'll be giving you more information in the weeks to come. That's Saturday morning, January 16th, right here at the bridge, 8.30 in the morning. What's up, Bridge Youth? Hey, we got our first youth service of 2021 happening this Wednesday night. That's right, our 2021 launch party is happening this Wednesday. We're kicking off with a brand new series. I'll be tag teaming a message with a couple of our phenomenal leaders. We're going to have prizes, giveaways, worship. Trust me, you do not want to miss it. Tell your friends, invite every single person you know. This Wednesday night hangs at 6 and service at 7. We'll see you there. We're excited to announce the relaunch of Connect Groups this spring at The Bridge. If you are interested in leading an in-person, online, or a hybrid group, we invite you to join us for a new Connect Group Leader meeting. It's happening on Sunday, January 24th at 11.30 a.m. here at The Bridge Church. If you'd like to come, just sign up on our website or The Bridge app. The new groups will be launching in mid-February, and we would love for you to consider leading one. We'll hope that you sign up for our new leaders meeting on Sunday, January 24th. If you're new to the church, we want to help you find your place and get connected. Just go to our website or the Bridge app and click on the Connect tab. There you'll find a Connect card with details to help you get connected. If you don't yet have the Bridge app, just text the keywords the Bridge Church app to 77977. This is the best way to stay updated with everything happening in church life. 
thanks again for being in church with us today. We love spending Sunday with you and your family. Hey, have you enjoyed being in church today? And there is nowhere in the entire world I would rather be the first Sunday of this year than right here in God's house with you, whether you're here, whether you're watching online. We hope that you will be a part of everything going on this year. So much cool stuff coming up. For youth this Wednesday, we're back in our remodeled youth center. So don't miss uh, any bridge youth people. Don't miss this Wednesday. Hangs at 6, service at 7. We love you guys. We'll see you very soon.